Invest in your home. Dave Ramsey here for Low Country Contractors. Now's a great time to enhance your home with that new dream kitchen, bath, or addition. I trust Low Country Contractors. They've been voted Best Home Improvement and Remodeling Contractor by Mount Pleasant Magazine, voted Top Remodeler in South Carolina by Remodeling Magazine, and they have a 98% customer satisfaction rating from Guild Quality. Folks, this is a no-brainer. Visit LowCountryContractors.com. Of them. Look on the ASA. Oh my gosh, they're all going against the wind. It was basically a cube with inside of a sphere where the points of the cube uh, were touching outside of the sphere. This isn't anything that just is limited to the United States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. Hi, this is Ryan Bledsoe, and you are listening to That UFO Podcast. I'll unmute myself. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy, and just before we get into the show this week, I just want to remind everyone you can now get premium access to the podcast, not only on Patreon, which has been the only way to support in the past, but on Apple subscriptions as well. So all that extra content, ad-free, early access that I've talked about in the past, there's available as a two-week free trial, there's an AMA with myself and Dan, and there's extra content from George Knapp, Ryan Bledsoe, David Marlar, Sean Cahill, and others up there as well and also from the guest i'm about to speak to as well there'll be an extra five ten minutes of interview on there just as a thank you folks so again appreciate it if you can check that out if you are on apple i have with me james ian dolly james have i said that right uh, for the most part yeah oh uh, no ian dolly ian dolly How'd you know? There you go. Yes. Ah, James. So James sent me this and you'll know James as either James or James from engaging the phenomenon, uh, the YouTube channel, the podcast. And I asked him about pronouncing his name properly and he, he spelled it for me phonetically and I still got it wrong. Second attempt, though. You, you'll give me that one. Second attempt. That's, that's too many vowels. It's, you know, it's counterintuitive. Yeah, well, listen, you've, you've seen my surname probably spelled out. It's not even worth going into. But listen, James, thank you very much for joining us. And we were just saying before recording, it's uh, probably well past you. Um, been looking forward to having you on. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, man. Thanks. It's, you know, I, I remember when you first started your podcast. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I remember it too. It's uh, the, the year the year and a bit has flown by. And you were one of the, the good guys who reached out to me quite early on as well, asking if I would join in on one of your Ask UFO Twitter videos. And there's a lot of cool ones up there as well. And I am horrendous for saying yes and then telling you like five or six times, oh, yeah, I'll send a video over. <laughs> and I just end up not doing it. But James gets I've got kids and you're the same. You've got a family and stuff as well. And life gets in the way. But I am going to be better at that in the future because the videos are worth being on and there's some esteemed company in those as well so we're going to get to all of that as well james but the the timing's really good of this you've come off the back of a big interview you've just spoken to luis elizondo i know he's been doing the rounds the last few months in the media not just from the podcast and in youtube circuit but he has been on fox cnn and all that stuff so um to speak to the man and it, everyone's getting a chance to speak to lou i don't think many have 
necessarily done it the justice that you managed to do. So you really made the most of your time. I feel that. So well, well done on that. Your questions were different, a different approach. It wasn't cookie cutter. And if people haven't listened to it yet, then please go out your way to find Engaging the Phenomenons channel and go and watch the interview with Lou. How do you feel now a, a week past the interview? How do you, you feel it went? Would you have changed anything? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I didn't anticipate it would be that great either. You know, some things I had planned, some things were off the cuff. And, um, you know, it wasn't, you know, th- that interview was not for everybody. That that's, that's for the research community, the people who are deep into this, because some of the questions I was asking, uh, you know, it's not for a mainstream audience. So I think people within the community um, will appreciate it more than somebody who's, you know, just trying to be introduced to the subject of UFOs. They're probably not going to understand half of what I'm talking about. And, you know, again, that interview was for me. That was for the research community. That was for the CE5 community and the UFO community. Well, I would urge people to go and check that out. And if you haven't yet, and like James has just mentioned, the CE5 community, we're going to be talking a lot about that because many of your questions that were sent in, and I told James this before we hit record, that people were saying to me, I don't necessarily have questions I want you to read, but I have. I just want to know how CE5 works, and we're going to get into that and get right to the basics of it as well. But what I want to start with before we talk about CE5 is your journey to this point. Like, what was it that kind of kick-started your journey into CE5, UFOs, aliens, and, and all that stuff? Does it go back to childhood? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I had experiences early on, not just with, um, you know, what people would call UFO intelligence, but also, uh, you know, metaphysical experiences, out-of-body experiences that, to me, when I, when I was very young, they were very vivid. And it would happen often enough where... um you know, I didn't think it was a fluke. I, I looked at it as some kind of genuine experience of some kind. So uh, ju- even from an early age, uh, I was very open to all this stuff. And I I pursued it, uh, you know, all that stuff on, uh, you know, nine, ni- 1990s television. Uh, you know, they had UFO shows on and, and, and things like that. And to me, I just, um, I looked at it as something that was pretty normal. You know, I didn't, and it wasn't like, Oh, I better watch out. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching or I'm reading into this and I feel weird about it. Nah. Uh, it, it seemed all pretty normal to me. What sort of experiences are you talking about under what circumstances? Um, well, um, I, I had some experiences when I was younger that, uh, I, I really don't want to go into. Uh, I would say that, uh, they, at that age, they were frightening, I guess I can say. Um, and I, I can't say that it's, uh, a hundred percent correlated with the UFO phenomenon, but you could consider them entities. Um, but I, I have a hunch, you know, in retrospect after all these years and, and, and even when I was having experiences in 2007, uh, that kind of clicked for me where I said, okay, maybe this is associated with this. Uh, I did have some, uh, UFO sightings when I was younger and, um, but none of those sightings were kind of extraordinary in the sense like the ones that I had in 2007. And your experiences again in 2007, is that something you're open to discussing? Or again, is it more of a personal thing? Yeah, the 2007 ones, that's that's when things kind of came to a head. So at the point in 2007, I, was, I had all these different kind of experiences when I was younger, um, 
And uh, I was researching UFOs at that point too. So um, it wasn't like I wasn't into the subject. But then um, a series of events occurred that uh, I see kind of as one major point in my life, I guess. And um, actually the, I, I, I have a video on it on my YouTube channel called dream kind dream time contact. And this is actually where it started because there was a series of events. Um, so this, this, this dream time contact when I'll, I'll kind of briefly go through because uh, it's related to the future uh, events that happen. So I, I was at work, I was working an overnight and Right before I'm about to leave, I'm talking to one of my coworker coworkers. He's like a super skeptic. This guy, super atheist or agnostic, very rational minded. Anytime you would kind of bring up a subject that's considered woo, like consciousness or or ESP or you know anything like that, this guy would just you know not you know he w- he wasn't kind of open to that kind of stuff. So my conversations with him were very like, hey, how's your family? How are the kids? Nice weather. Uh, nice guy though. And so one day, uh, he says to me out of the blue, uh, Hey, did you hear about the UFO sightings in Mexico? And I, I found it very strange that he asked me that. And I said, uh, no, no, I had, cause I hadn't heard about it and he didn't know about my interest in any of this. So, um, that was, um, very interesting to me, but then I kind of just brushed, brushed it off, went home and, uh, I went home. I went to sleep and I had this, um, this insane, uh, lucid dream, uh, that I'm, I'm driving down one of my old streets in, in this dream and it's nighttime and there's, um, a UFO hovering like 20 feet above me and it's this, uh, electric orange. It's, there's like static or some kind of electricity coming from it that I can feel through my body and it's humming and I'm just very reactive because it's a dream and I'm just trying, I'm trying to get away from it, man. I'm just like driving really fast and like trying to escape it. And I, I can't get away from it. And, you know, maybe after like two minutes as my time in, in this dream, I, I woke up and I was just kind of, you know, when you snap out of a dream, you're trying to collect, collect yourself. And then, um, again, it was an overnight that I worked. So I wake up in the afternoon and one of my family members um, comes home and comes up to me and say, hey, <laughs> hey, did you hear about the UFO sightings in Mexico? So I'm like, okay, screw this. Because at this point, it's like there's too many coincidences going on. And I'm like, you know, the hell with this. I'm going to go out and um, there's this Chinese food down the street, uh, Chinese food place down the street for me that I went to a lot. So I'm like, whatever, I'm just going to go there, get some Chinese food and start my day and whatever. So I get into my car and I'm driving maybe, you know, 200 or 250 feet. And I just see this fireball in the sky and, um, it's stationary. And I'm, you know, as soon as I think that's, you know, that's an effing UFO, it starts to move. And I'm like, holy, you know, shit. Basically I'm like, what the frick is going on? And, you know, I said before that, you know, the sighting itself. So, and I tried to chase it. It ended up going out of sight and I couldn't see it anymore. And I, you know, went all the way this way and, and it was just out of sight. Um, but it hit me like a ton of bricks at that point. 
again, because, uh, you know, the sighting in itself was remarkable. You know, you have this fireball. You can tell it was low from the size of how big it was. Uh, it was much bigger than like a planet or a star or anything like that. Way bigger than like the International Space Station. Um, so it, it had to be, have been low. Either that or it was ginormous. But I, I tend to think it was just lower in the atmosphere. You know, maybe 5,000 feet, 10,000 feet in the air. And um, I just uh, was in like shock almost that all these things that had occurred that led up to that point were were just as crazy as the sighting, if not more crazy. Um, so that that really made me take a deep dive into the UFO uh, subject even more. Like, I, you know, I was already into it, but after that, I'm uh, start you know reading more books and stuff like that, and um, so you know, and, and actually at that time I'm already practicing meditation, so. Um, but anyway, so going past that, just that kind of started this, this whole string of events that happened now, uh, probably, I want to say maybe three months later, I I have to look at the actual months that, uh, where it took place, but it was about, I want to say two, three months later, I had, I was in this, um, this car accident and I had, so at the time I thought it was a near death experience. Obviously, uh, you know, I wasn't that as you know, badly messed up as I thought I was. So I, now I call it a, a trauma induced OBE. So a trauma induced out of body experience where I, you know, I was above the entire uh, scene of the crash. And, and, and when that happened, I, I, I thought I was dead, you know, from, from my awareness, like I had the awareness to think, Oh, so that's it, huh? And I saw the, uh, the car accident and all this. And, um, you know, during that whole thing, I, I came face to face with this being and, um, I was just, you know, I don't know. I had, I had this, um, sense of oneness, not just with the being, but with the entire universe. Um, and, and then it kind of, um, just, uh, that, that part ended and, um, I, you know, I ended up waking up in, in a hospital bed and all that, but, the almost more significant part of that was the the next day, the following day I get home and I'm, uh, just in my room, cleaning my room. I, you know, you know, grateful to be alive. And I'm like, you know, even though that was a very transformative experience, because again, when, when, when that whole thing happened, there was like no regrets. I was like totally cool at that point with, with the idea that I was, basically dead, I guess you can say. Right. Um, so, uh, it was very transformative in that it, it, it shows you something way deeper about reality is, is the only way I can explain it. And, um, so it's the next day I'm in my room, I'm cleaning, grateful to be alive. And even to have had the experience, I'm still kind of, um, you know, not completely centered yet to where I was before this happened. I'm still kind of affected by it, I guess, still in the aftermath. And then, uh, out of nowhere, I have this, uh, this voice come into my entire body. I can feel the whole, you know, I can feel it throughout my body and in my mind. And it said, come outside. Um, but as, as soon as I, I heard, you know, that voice, 
um, I, I instantly knew everything that was that was happening. I knew that I was going to go outside and there's going to be some craft there, and I can't explain how, but I, I, you know, instantaneously, you know, people would call this like a telepathic lock-on, uh, knew what was going to take place to some extent. So I ran outside, and um, I, you know, I moved past where the trees were, and I can hear humming. So I look directly above me, and uh, there's just this. Uh, craft and it's almost like a hexagon like it has six sides and but the sides the edges are rounded they're not um like flat and sharp and it's a dark metal so it's it's like not an orb or something this is like a physical uh craft almost like a disc but again like a hexagon and it's humming and i just have this entire you know elated feeling i i am overwhelmed with joy and, um, cause that's the feeling that I got from this connection. I could call it with, with these entities. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm freaking out, but it's still moving. It's like just moving slowly and silently. And it, it can't be more than 80 feet above, above me. And it's still humming. And then it disappears and then reappears, um, across the street over this lake where I lived. And, um, and, you know, it has all these lights going around it, uh, you know, like blue, white, green, red, yellow, just swirling around it. And then other ones appeared. Uh, you know, there's that one and then two other ones appeared. And there was a whole event that took place where they're, there's, they're appearing and disappearing and, and um, you know, moving around the sky slowly for almost a half an hour. And But, you know, before that had passed, I ran into my house and uh, – two of my family members were there and I said, come outside. They're like, why? I said, they're here. They said, and they're saying, who's here? I said, just come outside. So I, I took uh, my family members outside and they were able to witness it. And, uh, you know, I have to imagine they were just as uh, amazed as me. And, uh, you know, after actually that half hour, so the way that this whole kind of sighting ended was that two of them were, were flying towards each other like this. And the, you know, the lights are spinning around while they're heading towards each other. And as soon as they're about to crash, you know, and I'm thinking in my head, holy shit, they're going to crash. As soon as they like make contact, they just both disappeared. And that ended that. And, um, like when, when this happened, I'm like, dude, this is gonna, this is it. This is going to be all over the news and it's going to be disclosure tomorrow. Like I remember like, this is insane. And, you know, I, I, when I, I, you know, I called some friends and told them what happened or whatever, but I'm like looking on the news and stuff and nothing, you know, it was just like nothing. And, and, you know, there was never, I, I didn't see any UFO report cited on that day or whatever, but it was just, you know, again, I, I, I thought it was disclosure was happening, but uh, apparently it, it didn't. Um, so that, that whole string of events occurred within a, within a few months. And that's actually what led me to CE5. Um, so I, thanks for sharing yeah. that that's pretty intense okay and just a bit of a recap that you've said there you had those childhood experiences and very personal you then and the, further down the line you see this fireball in the sky that's preceded by you know being asked about ufo sightings and then someone else asks you in the family about ufo sightings you then see this fireball that you're, you're in the car 
and then you're in this accident that, like you say, it wasn't as bad an accident that you had a near death experience, but it was trauma induced out of body, which then leads you to a f- the following day that having this really intense experience and, and closer kind of contact experience as well. That's, that's incredible. Do you think all of this stuff happened to you? Were you, do you think you were just born in tune to these sorts of experiences or do you think they've happened for a reason? I mean, uh, you know, in my own ego idea, right, my own I reality, I, I tend to think there's a reason for it, right? Uh, but I, I'm just as open to the idea that it's just a roll of the dice, right place, right time. And, you know, part of me being on this quest is I hope I find out, you know, because I don't have all the answers. I, I wish I had the answers to that. And those questions actually very early on, like, is there a reason for this was that I had these experiences drove me. Um, you know, that, that was part of the initial drive for me, you know, pursuing this, you know, engaging the phenomenon, right? Cause I had these encounters and, um, I wanted to engage the phenomenon and not kind of just be a bystander. Now that's as good a reason as any to, to want to try and get in touch or contact whatever entities or beings may be at play within all of this is very personal to you as well. Now that's what I'm going to start talking now about CE5. Okay, did you come into this looking for CE5 or was it known by something else? Now, CE5, as as some people may know, is a little bit more of a franchise these days for, for some. Um, but if you, if you want to just talk a little bit about what it was known as when you came into it and explain what CE5 or human-initiated contact is. Okay, sure. Um, I just want to give a little uh, backstory on that just to say... Um, I found, so after those experiences, I, I just went into like a deep, deep dive. I found the disclosure project. I found, uh, Dr. Greer's work because of the disclosure project. Uh, you know, I was amazed something like that happened with all these high level witnesses in Washington, DC, 2001. And I'm thinking like, how did I not hear this happen? So you know, in the midst of that, I, I was like, who is this guy who set this up? You know, and this random guy I had never heard of. And that's uh, Dr. Stephen Greer. So I I started to look into him, you know, like who's Stephen Greer? You know, I don't know if it was Google at that time or, or, you know, which search engine it was, but I ended up finding um, his work on CE5. So at that, at that point, CE5 was known. Uh, CE5 actually was um, known starting in like 1992. So I got, heavily involved into the CE5 work because, um, you know, after having those experiences, I, I never really thought, oh, let me, let me try to, to, um, reach out to the, this, uh, intelligence. Um, so when I found CE5, I'm like that, why didn't I, why didn't I even think of that? You know what I mean? It's, this is still early on right after I found the, um, you know, right after I had the experiences, I found this work. So that's why I got involved. Um, with the CE5 work. And I actually created the first social networks of CE5 um, back in around maybe 2009. Uh, So CE5 uh, was created by Dr. Greer, the terminology and the protocols. But um, what we call CE5 is, you know, it's human initiated contact. Um, that, That whole idea goes back hundreds of years, if not thousands of years. Um, so again, CE5 is a human initiated contact 
And under uh, Dr. Stephen Greer, he has his own protocols for doing that. But there was another group called Mission Rama who were doing the same, I want to say like 90% the same exact thing that Dr. Greer was doing, but he was doing it in 1974 in Lima, Peru. And there was a whole, um, you know, movement of contact activists in the 1970s in South America. And it was pretty big and they had local media coverage and they had actually very good footage of some of their um, encounters. They make bigger claims of actual face-to-face interactions with entities, but of course there's no pictures of that. Uh, but they do have some really good UFO footage from their um, their events there that was documented by local media. And it wasn't just random. They, they invited the media to listen at this time, this day and this time there's going to be a sighting and lo and behold, you know, whatever Wednesday, 10 o'clock a ship appears or two ships appear and there's a whole interaction that goes on and they're utilizing the same kind of ideas like meditation and consciousness, which is what CE five is known for. So, and then you want to go back further than that. There's the guy, John D. Um, I, I forget what year, maybe the 17 or 1800s. And he was using what he called the Nokian magic and having these interaction with angels or, you know, non-human intelligence who were communicating ideas and stuff. So this, this kind of thing actually, as the further you go back in time, the further you see that there's some kind of contact between humans and, and whatever we want to, you know, ascribe to non-human intelligence, some other kind of entities. Uh, again, so that the idea of CE5 really goes way back. Uh, however, uh, Dr. Stephen Greer, in my opinion, did probably the most modern job of framing that and, you know, giving people, um, tools to go out and, and do the work. Uh, so his, his work with that is actually very important in, in kind of putting that together and kind of rebranding contact in a way that people say, Oh, there's a, there's a whole method. You have the C5 protocols and there's a methodology and you do that and you can have these interactions. So that that's kind of some of the background on CE5, um, as, as an idea. Now, for the purpose of the interview, we'll we'll go with CE5. I know quite a lot of people are very, um, the the D word, not disclosure. Uh, Why can't I? Divided. I don't know why that escaped me. Um, They're divided (laughs) on Stephen Greer. And we're going to come to talk about Dr. Greer as well, okay? Because we have to. But going going forward just now, we'll, we'll go with CE5, okay? And lots of people are asking, though, when you you've decided personally you've had these experiences and you want to try and contact these beings engage the phenomenon as as you've called the channel other people will have their reasons as well how do you then or how would you recommend someone goes about starting to even try and and contact some some other life form or intelligence using ce5 of course okay so ce5 uh you know with again under the umbrella of of dr stephen greer he has his set of protocols and they work. It's like training wheels, right? Um, so his Dr. Stephen Greer's method is um, you practice. Uh, and he doesn't. He you know he says you can do any form of meditation as far as the basis of it. So you do uh, a meditation uh, for about you know however long you want. You can do twenty minutes, thirty minutes, half an hour, or you know an hour, whatever it is. So and after you are. You do your meditation and you're settled down. You know, you have a clear, calm mind. Your your monkey mind that has all these random thoughts is kind of um, relaxed 
to an extent. Then you go through what he calls coherent thought sequencing. And, and Dr. Stephen Greer describes the coherent thought sequencing as um, either remote viewing or kind of like um, an advanced version or coherent version of visualization because, you know, not everybody believes that they can remote view or whatever. That's almost beside the point. But you go through a visualization process of, you know, using your mind's eye or your inner vision to, to look basically through the universe and, and uh, visualize uh, that you're connecting with these non-human intelligences and you vector them by, you know, visualizing backwards to where you are on earth, you know, in your state, city, town, backyard, wherever you are. So you actually go through that process called coherent thought sequencing for another, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 minutes, you know, visualizing that you're going, that you're peering out with your mind's eye into the universe to see some of these entities or beings or intelligences, and then visually guiding them back to your location. And that's, that's basically Greer's main, main uh, claim to fame as the CE5 protocols. Now, one of the issues is that Stephen Greer also has his, his app, which you can pay a one-off fee for. And listen, in, in this field, different people have different ways of making money or funding what they do. Even what I do, what you do, takes time, takes money for equipment, costs, all that sort of stuff as well, okay? But you can obviously pay for the app, which talks you through these protocols. Is that correct? Yes, but all anything that's on that app, you can find for free. But okay. people... People like having uh, you know a nice app on your phone. It's, it looks, it's dressed up nice. It's organized. I think you can once it's downloaded, you can access everything offline. So if you're in like a dead zone area, um, you can just listen to meditations on there. But it's 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 not going to be any different from you know uh, any of his guided meditations that you can find on YouTube and download to your phone. Okay, and we'll we'll come back to some of the the issues people have had with that as well. But that's that's how it's done, and the idea behind it. What sort of experiences can people expect, or what results can they expect to get from one of these successful meditations? Right. Um, well, I kind of want to say on the side, maybe you want to talk about it later. But that that those are the CE five protocols um, that I was just discussing before. But that's that's literally the idea of it being training wheels is is basically um, it's a kind of big thing and uh, you know you don't you don't have to do those those protocols you you can literally sit still and just do nothing and have it happen but I, I'll get into that later I guess um, but the kind of you you can't you can't really expect uh, what's going to happen and. Um, there's a whole range that, that can occur and it all depends on the individual. Um, I guess you can say their affinity to contact. There's, there's so many unknowns that when you're talking about CE five, like, you know, I can go out and dictate and say, you should expect this based on this experience level or whatever. But again, as you know, you can see, I had all these kind of, you know, pretty extreme experiences and I didn't, I didn't do CE five at all. And again, there has to be some kind of reason how that occurred. Um, uh, I mean, generally speaking, it, you know, depending on what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. So if you're kind of going out and you're like, oh, I'm going to do a 
20 minute meditation outside and look in the sky. Um, you might, you know, you'll, you'll probably see, you could see like some of the orbs that people report. And again, there's, there's levels of interaction. So if it's something that's questionable as a satellite, you can use satellite apps like heavens above, uh, also, there was an app called Space Junk that showed you space debris. I don't know if that one's around anymore. Um, so there's different apps you can use to dissertain if, if you're looking at something conventional. And if you see something like an orb that's passing by and it's flashing on a pattern like every seven seconds or so, that's you can that's the rotation of the object and it's very likely space junk or, or something like that. Um, but again, you can see some of these orbs and the the key with with CE5 or or in a bigger picture contact work is the interaction. So the quality of interaction is going to define as if it's a genuine CE5 or not because a lot of times uh you know many people new to it they it's actually their first time really sky watching. So a lot of things they see in the sky they kind of jump at and like, oh, it worked. Well, I mean, you, you're you going to have to really do your homework. And and a lot of people, of course, they're just getting into it. They're expecting to see something and they see something in the sky that is, you know, lights up. Um, so they assume, you know, it's, it's, it's contact when, and, you know, that's not always the case. So that's something to keep in mind. You want to, you know, something that you see in the sky, you want to kind of go down a process of elimination and, and try to find out what it is. And when you come to the thing of like, okay, it's an unknown, that's a genuine C5. So again, you know, with these orbs, right? Um, some things you can see stationary flashing in the sky, uh, or you'll see it jump from point to point. And when I mean jump to point to point, I don't mean like flash here and then come a few inches over and flash here in the sky. I mean, it's a clear, distinguished flash here. And then like a second later, a few feet up and your eyes, you know, which would be thousands of feet, just blip in there and kind of like dance around the sky like that. You're obviously dealing with something that's anomalous. And if it's responsive to your your thought process and awareness, that's another kind of key indicator. So if you're seeing this orb and, you know, you think in your mind, okay, is that, is that, you know, is it really contact? And it stops and then does, you know. That's that's obviously another indicator of something kind of strange, and um, there's there's a whole there's a whole spectrum of things you can see. Okay, so um, you could see like a few orbs in the sky, something like that. There's times when there are orbs that come down on ground level, and I know people that have done UFO field work that's not CE five that have had this happen, and there's people that are experiencers. I think Scott Brown, uh, who runs the the group in the field. He's not a CE fiver, but he's a field worker and he's going out with the expect to, you know, to see some kind of contact UFOs. And he's had things like that happen too. So that just shows you how the intention of what you're doing is, is actually the key role. Um, so there can be lights that come on the sky, but again, a lot of this stuff is unpredictable and it happens very fast. And, you know, unless you have everything set up to pre-record everything that's going on around you, you're probably not going to get some stuff now. Um, Dr. Greer has actually recorded some good stuff, but um, you know, unfortunately he's got some uh, embarrassing <laughs> misidentifications all, as well that kind of muck up. And then people say, Oh, well it's all nonsense. Um, you know, all the documentation he has, which is unfortunate because he has some really good stuff. Um, but uh, you know, again, as far as the spectrum of what can happen, um, there's stuff like that that I'm mentioning, which is on a kind of novice level, 
just going out once or twice a week, you can experience those things, you know, fairly easily as long as you're serious about it. But then uh, there's somebody in my family, I'll tell you, um, it was their first CE5 and they, they knew I was into this and whatever. So they are like, okay, let me try it with you. So I did this. Um, I did a C5 with them. I just did the 20 I just did a 20 minute meditation. And I'm telling them like, listen, if nothing happens, don't be concerned. Don't worry about it. It's just, this is, we're just testing it out. And this is your first time. I get it. You know, we don't have to like kind of try so hard. Um, so I was not expecting much, you know, and, um, they, the, you know, after we did our meditation, they said, Oh, um, you know, they, I got a message say to look, look for the colors. And I'm, I'm thinking like, I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical of this person. Um, yeah, even though I, I shouldn't be, even as a, as somebody with experiences and somebody who was doing the CE5 work for several years at that point. And I'm That's like, good oh, you know, because you don't have that prerequisite or the bias there that that that's what it is so that that's good to know though that you sorry to interrupt but i like that that you have got that attitude towards it that yeah but is it happening is it legit because you're you're going that little bit extra you're going that bit further yeah i always i even with my own stuff if i i and 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 i'll just say this to be clear that when you have that question you can still go out and do this work honestly and have a level of skepticism and when the the phenomenon appears, it's not going to make you guess. If it's there, it's going to show you when, because as soon as the question comes to your mind, is this like something legit? It will usually do something where you're like, okay, I got the message because they're not coming there to waste your time or their time. The, you know, the intelligence is going to be clear in demonstrating that it is, you know, anomalous phenomena. That's another intelligence. It's not some kind of like, oh, I don't know if that's a satellite. Usually if you think that, it will do something to demonstrate that it is clearly another intelligence. So, um, yeah, this, this person said, um, look out for the colors. And I'm kind of thinking like, okay, um, maybe they just got that in their meditation. And, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't think much of it other than that. And, you know, I hope this person doesn't hear me say this, right. Um, but, uh, so we, we step out of the room where we're doing the meditation and two of my other family members are like, somebody's taking pictures from outside. I'm like, what are you talking about? Because they're sitting down in the dark watching a movie. So they have the lights off. And they said, there's flashes of light coming in the house. And I saw it. And it lit, the light lit up the inside of the house. Um, and, you know, again, because all the lights are off and they're watching a movie. So I'm like, oh, crap. Okay. I, I, I'm already assuming like, okay, I think something's going on at this point. Because that's too much of a coincidence. And they didn't know what we were doing. They didn't know we were going to do a C5 or anything like that. They're just innocent bystanders. So I, I run outside and my laser was set there by the door. And I, I, I don't suggest people use lasers. They're dangerous. Don't use them. Uh, so I grab my laser. <laughs> Disclaimer. So I grab my laser and I go outside. And there's these two, I guess you can say these two orbs, these two crafts. And they're moving like this. So one's moving in one direction. One's moving the other direction. And I, I flash my laser in between them and it goes like this. One flashes like this and one flashes like this. And I'm like, okay, this is, okay, this is going on. All right. So I, and, uh, the person that I did the CE5 with was with me. And as soon as those two kind of flashed at each other, uh, just second by second, the, the entire sky, uh, started to light up a anywhere you looked in the sky, there were different types of activity. And again, this is somebody's first CE5. 
And um, even as CE5s go for me, I've had really extraordinary things happen, but this was the most visually aesthetic, like, you know, F you guys kind of like we're here kind of thing. Uh, you know, I, I, I jokingly called it like an intergalactic initiation uh, just because um, there, you know, I would look this way and there was like a, a, a purple orb um, clearly in the sky, but I could see uh, it was part of a structure. Um, I, you know, for many of these different things, there were actually what I perceived as structures around the lights. Um, so there was, uh, this purple one over here and then I'd look somewhere else and there'd be a red one. I'd look somewhere else. There'd be a green one and they're all kind of either moving or flashing or just stationary. And then, you know, I'm, I go inside and I, I get the other family members that come out here, come out here. I think, you know, after that last experience in 2007, they kind of figured they knew. And at this point, this is years later. So they knew I was into CE5 at this point and they knew I was doing the work. So they came out and again, this whole thing went on for about a half an hour of all these different lights in the sky like that. And it was just incredible. And there were flash bulbs and there were alleged streakers, which looks kind of like a shooting star, but they were making zigzags in the sky. And coming from different directions, like second after second after second. Um, and again, this is another one of those things where I thought this was going to kind of be in the media in some way, just because there was an overwhelming amount of activity. And I don't, I don't like to, to tell the story and, 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 and like get people's hopes up of this is, could happen because I've had a lot of great experiences. But even to this day, this one was the most visually like in your face uh, you know, other than that, that metal disc that was like really low, um, because it was just, it was, it was insane. The amount of anomalous phenomena that was going on. And, um, it, and then towards the end of it, there were actually orbs down on the ground, um, just a few feet away from me. And they were almost in like a structure. So there was like three here, four here, two here, and almost like they were kind of aligned in like almost a pyramid structure. Uh, and these were like yellow orbs and, um, you know, they were pulsing or whatever. And I, I was, <laughs> I was like freaking out even, even with experience at this point, because again, this is just, um, not expected. Uh, and, and, you know, I kind of kick myself for this, but the only reason I guess that this thing ended was because I'm like, I got to go get my friend. Uh, my one of my friends who does CE five with me, my friend Dave. So I'm like, I, I gotta go get Dave. I gotta get Dave because he was supposed to do a C five with us that night. And then, uh, you know, I was getting ready to leave uh, alone. Everybody else was gonna stay there, and so I can go get my friend Dave so he can see this because this, you know, he does CE five with me over almost. Uh, you know, we were doing it several, maybe three, four times a week at that time, and me and him had never seen something like this together during CE five. You know, we saw the typical stuff I was explaining before. Um, so that was extraordinary and that happened during a legit CE5. So I did the CE5 process and this kind of event happened. So again, incredible experience. Now, taking you back a little bit before I circle around to my, my que next question here, I'm one of those people that I would love to try it 
I'm a little impatient though, so the idea of meditating, especially for me, is about really. I'd be like constantly thinking, how long's it been? You know, must have been twenty minutes. Okay, it's been it's been thirty seconds. But like I've I've said before, where I live, it's a very clear sky. So when I'm taking my dog for a walk at night, I will walk about with my head basically looking up at the stars. Given my interest in what I do, I've got a UFO podcast. I'm interested in C five remote viewing, aliens, all of the above. I'm clearly looking for something. You're always looking at the stars for like, I, w- I want to see something. So that want or desire is there for a start, okay? Not that I'm filming. I'm just looking. I just want to see something, whether it's a triangle, a craft, or a light moving, just or a flash. Now, I've looked out before, and when I've just, just been in the mood, I've just had that thought to myself, or I've spoken out loud or quietly and just went, if there's anything up there, quite happy to see something you know and you're just scanning the sky any lights you know show me something and regularly nothing happens and okay i don't spend long doing it but there's been quite a few occasions more than three four five where i've been looking i've said that and a light's come across now i'm quite used to seeing the iss space station passes over all the time Uh, i'm used to seeing satellites going along and they've got that kind of slow steady pace they have as they go along the light in the sky so i'm used to that kind of stuff in aircraft and what as well but there's been occasions where lights moved along and i've went okay and you're thinking to yourself that's that's interesting i've said that and this light's popped into view it could be a satellite show me something else and you get the flash or the pulse and for me i tend to go okay that's that's interesting and i kind of stop there i've also seen lights that have moved a little bit and seemed to wave in and out i know when you're looking at stars or lights in the sky they can appear just from the 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 dimmer of the light they can appear to move in ways they actually aren't but i've seen lights that have quite clearly waved in and out of you can see the stars against the background where you can see them moving in and out and again i kind of stop at that point of okay maybe that's something maybe it's not you have described an intense experience on the other end of the spectrum so i've probably had quite basic light you know incidents if if that was real you know um encounters as such it may have been something else like you say could have been space junk who knows we're, we're never going to find out but what i want to know is why would these entities and intelligences even bother to show up for andy or james when we're doing whatever we're doing what's what do you think is their purpose or reason for even bothering to put in any level of effort to show themselves because someone has asked. Uh, and uh, this is, this goes back. So during that, that 2007 experience, I, I, part of that whole experience, I guess, like I said, was a download. And, you know, I clearly got the communication that they, they kind of either want or have a relationship with us. And again, these are impressions I'm getting and I'm interpreting them. I don't know if they're representational. I don't know if these are my own thoughts kind of, based on but so i i tend to think that they want some kind of engagement with us i i don't know why um but i i, I clearly did get that message and you know that was an, another reason why i was really pushing forward with the ce5 work um because it's like we're you know building this communication that who know, whoever you know maybe when when uh, when open contact finally happens there's going to be more to say about that i don't know but it, to me, it, it it clearly, I clearly got the message that they they wanted some kind of interaction with us, you know. Um, so that, that's my own personal thought on that. 
Now, when we're talking about these beings or entities, Stephen Greer, who, and we're mentioning him a lot, and I'm sure most people listening are aware of who Stephen Greer is, but if you're not, then the, the movies or documentaries are available on Netflix and Amazon Prime, and, and go and do a little bit of digging and research as well, just to kind of see that the basics of why we're talking about what we are. But Stephen Greer pushes the idea that whatever these are, they are very friendly. They are trying to help us as a species, um, give us warnings and messages that, you know, we're going about things the wrong way, especially when it comes to weapons. And he's very much against the the idea of a threat narrative and what previously TTSA and Luis Elizondo and, and people like that are now potentially going down that route of. Do you subscribe to the idea that whatever these entities are, they're all coming from another planet, another solar system? Do you think it's multiple things happening at once, different realities and dimensions coming in? What's your personal thoughts, given your experiences on where these beings are from, potentially, and what their kind of message is? that is all for this week's show thank you very much for listening please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform you can like retweet and subscribe that would all be very much appreciated the shows are being uploaded onto youtube as we speak more and more you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that ufo podcast to access the shows ad free as well please get in touch on twitter facebook instagram that ufo podcast of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer. A little Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Folk. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little more. Meditative game of fateful on meta. I can't imagine how it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs, and there he was. Like, you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz. Invest in your home. Dave Ramsey here for Low Country Contractors. Now's a great time to enhance your home with that new dream kitchen, bath, or addition. I trust Low Country Contractors. They've been voted Best Home Improvement and Remodeling Contractor by Mount Pleasant Magazine, voted Top Remodeler in South Carolina by Remodeling Magazine, and they have a 98% customer satisfaction rating from Guild Quality. Folks, this is a no-brainer. Visit LowCountryContractors.com. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a nature show host. In the native habitat of a suburban driveway, the poor victim of a broken windshield is left assessing his vehicle utterly helpless. Well, not true. If he's got GEICO, he can file a claim online, over the phone, or with his handy mobile app. But like a lone gazelle, he'll suddenly be left to fend for himself, awaiting his terrible fate. Nope. GEICO will assign him a designated claims team to help him out, too. So the gazelle gets his car fixed and everything. Wow. Nature is so cool. GEICO. Great service, without all the drama.